We are so honored that you chose to join us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. It is our desire that you will be encouraged and challenged in your walk with Jesus. Be blessed as you join us for this week's message. Does it take to wake up Joseph McDonald? And the answer is three. Who is the funny one? She thinks she's the funny one. in the worship band, played flute. John came and went, oh, I need to get to know her. That's how it went, right? Sure. <laughs> I called him on the phone. In my college dorm room. Through friends. My sister and I were posting funny videos together on Facebook, and Joe kept commenting on all of them, and I told my sister, this guy has something for you, and then he direct messaged me. You Facebook stalked me. Totally, and you married me. So who's in the wrong here? That's all I wanna to say to you kids, is sliding in DMs works, all right? I have a wife, so. Church, Bible study, yeah. water baptism. Yeah, we were together, we were, um, pastor's wife called and said, could you come down? The Kelly boys are getting baptized today. And so that was kind of our first initial meeting other than seeing each other. And the rest is history. Yeah. Well, there's this thing about communication between men and women. You know, uh, it seems quite often that I'll say something and Linda will hear it differently. She'll say something, they say the same thing, and I say, well, isn't that what I just said? But we, we don't hear each other the same way. And and we, we've had some uh, squabbles over that misunderstanding of, oh, I, I just said that. Well, no, you didn't. Well, yes, I did. You know, that kind of thing, so. I don't like how he drives, so we fight about that all the time. All the time. But then I'm like, you drive, and she still makes me drive. I'm like, no. <laughs> Stopping for a sandwich. And he almost got taken to jail. <laughs> We were on a trip and I wanted to get food fast and get back in the car and get on the trip. And he wanted to stop and eat. And I we got into like an argument. And, and I was mad and stubborn and I locked the doors and he was beating on the door and somebody called the cops. We were newly married. 
We fought on the way here. Yeah, what we just fought about, which is holistic medicine versus Western medicine. That's fair. That's it. Yeah, that's a stupid fight. Choose each other every day. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. Not, you know, one time a week, but every day. I would say to um, keep your own relationship with the Lord just so tight. And then and to, to allow His forgiveness to be just your constant companion. Yeah, and I would just say, be nice. You know, nice is better than evil. And uh, if we're nice to each other every day, love each other, find the joy. Communication. Yeah, talk. Talk. Communication. Super key. So important. You can't get anything done. I call it intimate communication. Yes. There's going to be two people in your life that are going to know everything about you, and it's going to be God and your spouse. Keep Jesus first. Always. Check out each other's hearts. <laughs> I guess you're just the wealth of marriage advice. Oh, but I am. <laughs> I would say <laughs> be gracious to one another. Put your wife first. <laughs> Communicate. Enjoy dating. It's get to know each other. And dating is not a speed bump. It is a whole journey. Try, 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 and you will only come. Well, how about that? Wasn't that fun? I love hearing from couples in our church. My daughter is the one who recorded that, and she's like, Mom, you were extra feisty that night. And I'm like, I don't know what was going on. Maybe it was the hat. I don't know. We are in the middle of this message series called Addicted to Love. Have you guys been enjoying it? I hope so. Last week, um, Taylor and Justin and Jess did an amazing job talking about singleness, and I really loved it. I love, I love the body of Christ. One thing that is on Pastor Lance's heart and my heart is the generations. From the babies all the way up to the 90-year-olds, we all have a part in this thing called the church. And it was so great to hear from them and hear where they are at in their lives and their journeys and be able to actually come alongside them better. Because you have advice for them. You've gone through things that you can come alongside them with. And that is the beauty of the body of Christ. Amen? Well, today we're going to continue in our series, and we are going to talk about Malwedge. Are you guys ready to talk about marriage? Marriage is a beautiful institution that God created. And because it's a beautiful institution that God created, there is nothing more that the enemy wants to destroy marriages. In pre-service prayer, Jess was praying for our youth this morning. And just because we have social media, all the things they see even about the war. And I cannot imagine being a young person and not having truth and direction in my life. There are so many things that are coming at them. Truth is so blurred. Love is so blurred. It's like, what is the standard? And we as Christians are so blessed because we know that the standard is God. The standard is love. And because God's love is perfect, if we follow his love, we can't fail. Now, of course, we're humans, so we're going to fail. Like the love and marriage video we just saw, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to just live this life the best we can. But if we follow after love, God's love, it's really the perfect love that cannot fail. Now, the enemy wants to tear families apart. 
He was the very first orphan that was thrown out of heaven, and he wants to make orphans of all of us. I was absolutely blown away by an interview I saw recently where this lady um, just was interviewed about society and, and families, and she said, it is our goal to completely disseminate the family unit. She said, children should not belong to their parents, they should belong to society. And I was like, what? And just as I was saying earlier, it's almost like Pandora's box is open. We know that the devil's been roaming around with all these plans and all these ploys and all these things that he wants to do. But it's just like evil is right in your face. And the enemy's agenda is right in your face. What does he want to do? He wants to completely destroy marriages, which destroys families. It destroys children. How many of you would be willing to say that you are a product of a divorce growing up? That's quite a few hands. And it's more and more and more. And if the enemy can get at the mom and dad, he can get at the children. So we are going to talk about this thing called marriage. Now, usually when you get married, it's all love and bloomers, as my mother-in-law would say. It's all bliss. You know, it's a honeymoon stage. And then inevitably, life comes along. You're like... I know I married this guy, but I didn't know he actually did that. And I married this girl, but I didn't actually know that she was going to take my credit card when I wasn't looking and spend some money. So we have this honeymoon stage, and then we come into the reality of what marriage actually is. And we're going to explore marriage today, and we actually are going to do a panel again. And I am going to welcome some people to come up on stage with me. We have three couples. Well, I'm a single this morning because my husband is at home sick, but I represent a family unit. Um, so we're going to invite Jess and Joe to come up on the stage. And Jess and Joe have been happily married for three years. And we are going to invite Don and Bev Kelly to come up. And they have been married longer than that, 48 years. Let's give them a hand for that. And my husband, Lance, and I are in the middle. We have been married 26 years, and we have five kids. Don and Bev have kids and grandkids. So let's welcome them all to the stage. And Don is also one of our amazing elders, and Jess is part of our staff here as a worship arts director. Assistant? Okay, assistant. Yes, she, she, she does a lot of things. She's pretty amazing. If you don't know her, you should get to know her. All right, so I'm just going to start this panel off, and we're going to explore some things. Are we ready? All right. So Jess and Joe. What were your expectations getting married? Did you find that there were some myths that you believed about marriage that left you a little bit disillusioned and wondering if you made the right decision?
<laughs> a dress on with high heels doing all her chores. to doing the trash 
looks like you're not able to take care of that. Would you like me to step in for you? And not in a condescending way, because I can be, um, but in a gentle way. Um, yeah, we can just communicate, especially when expectations aren't met. And, and knowing that when I'm disappointed, it's usually because I didn't communicate an expectation even. So. And I love that you said that you go back to your faith and how blessed we are as Christians that we can take our needs, we can take our partner to God in prayer. And not only that, but praying as a couple, I would say is probably one of the number one things that has sustained um, Lance and I. Um, there's so much power in prayer. And a lot of it too is because if you're praying together and you hear each other's heart cry out, to God because of their lack and the areas that they need, and then hearing your partner praying for you. There's such power and so many beautiful things that happen when we not just pray for each other, but when we sit and we pray together as a couple. Yeah, I guess now that you bring that up, that was actually not prayer specifically, but we kind of assumed and we went through premarital. We dated forever. We served in church together. We were in small groups together. We, all the things, we did all the things to prepare, but it's still, when we got married, one of the things that I did find is my expectation or definition of what it means to be the leader of the household or the, the husband's role in the household actually differed from Joe's. And there was conversations where I was like, all of a sudden, hey, we don't pray the way I thought we would pray, or we don't, we don't do Bible studies every day like we thought we would. And even those expectations we had to talk through. And communication is key. And like I said before, if, my, if I'm finding myself disappointed, it's usually because there's something I didn't communicate or just a belief that I had. So. That's good. So Don and Bev, what would you say? Also, Don is a professional Christian counselor, and you counsel as well. They come alongside each other. What would you say that you see as the biggest issues that married couples face in the beginning of their marriage? Well, I would say that there is so much preparation on the wedding day, on the wedding, and that a lot of times people forget that after the wedding, after that beautiful, amazing day, we have a marriage. <clears throat> And that marriage takes work. And then people, if we think of feelings, um, so we come into a marriage and we have two imperfect people and here we are. And so then pretty soon we see selfishness just rise up in us. And you know what? When their bad habits join with our bad habits, sometimes we have chaos in the relationship. And so I think um, that's one thing. And then another thing is sometimes we look to that person as like they are going to meet all of my needs, that they are going to satisfy me. I'm going to be that in that blissful place. And we should. The day we get married and we walk up to that altar, we should have feelings for that person we're marrying. And if we don't, then we ought to say, maybe I need to step back from this. But those feelings don't always last in the sense of those initial, like you're Twitterpated with every single thing they do. And then when you when you quit being Twitterpated, not that I'm not Twitterpated 48 years later, I am. <laughs> but when that leaves, sometimes we get so disappointed. And in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, hope deferred makes a heart sick, but um, a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. And so we have to sit beside those couples and say, they feel like they've fallen out of love. 
And we have to say, no, you haven't fallen out of love, but you are just about to find out what real love is. That's true. That's good. Yeah, I, I uh, was a deputy sheriff for a year before Bev and I got married, and I was used to, you know, I tell people, pull it over. Hello. They better pull it over. And uh, I came home from work, and I, after we were married, Bev, Bev was just 17 when I asked her to marry me. Uh, her dad thought I should probably have a job <laughs> and that she should finish high school. And so uh, that was a pretty good idea. And, and so uh, what I discovered, and this was for us, and we see it a lot uh, with other people, I, I thought just Beverly would just do everything I told her to do. And I realized that, that she wasn't made that way and uh, so I had to uh, kind of dial it back and, and figure out some things. You know, you get married. I, I'm a romantic, and uh, I, I like uh, Hallmark movies. I, I DVR them so we can watch them together. Yeah. I had a guy groan at me in the office the other day when I said that. I, I, I had to apologize to him later. But the point is, is that I thought that Beverly would uh, just be uh, fascinated with everything I had to say. And, and if, if you think about <laughs> love is blind, a marriage is like the healer. And, uh, and so then you realize just what, what you guys were saying about expectations and, and then uh, Beverly uh, said about hope deferred. I, I think that what we see is that, uh, and, and you all had mentioned reality sets in, and I, and I think that's really it is that, you realize, hey, you know, this is a long-term relationship, and, and the selfishness thing is, is real. Uh, it's not all about me, um, and, that's, and that was a real eye-opener. Uh, I was the baby of a, of a family of five children, and uh, it was always all about me. And then Beverly uh, never got the memo. <laughs> and and so it wasn't just about me and so that's what we see a lot of that disappointment early on is is it's the adjustment i like a country song john michael montgomery singing life's a dance you learn as you go sometimes you lead and sometimes you follow and uh, and it really is and we're still the music changes over time and you have to learn some new dance steps but uh as long as you're out there on the dance floor uh, together with Jesus, we're, we're all good. Yeah, it's good. Um, I, I like that perspective. You put so much um, time and effort into your wedding plans, but how much time and effort do you put into really getting to know each other mm -hmm. and um, putting Jesus first in your relationship? Mm -hmm. I know that for Lance and I, when we got married, um, we actually believe that one of the reasons that we're in Montana was because God needed to take us out of our family realms and establish us as a unit because especially when you come from diverse backgrounds, and of course, there's so much to work through because it's like, well, when do you have Christmas? Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? You know, those kinds of things. But also it's the soul things. And I know that we had a lot to work through and I came from a divorce background and um, he had you know, issues with his parents. We just really felt like God needed to pluck us out and plant us where we could really grow together. And it's really important to be able to take that time to get to know each other, to talk about the expectations, to talk about the things in your marriage, and really be able to put Jesus first in that. 
Um, so I'm just going to read, um, which I wanted to do earlier, but let's just read the love chapter. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could live Amen. in that? Yeah. Every hour of every day, what our relationships with our spouses would look like if we were able to do that? So one of the things that we say, most of us, when we um, get married is that we will love and cherish your partner in sickness and in health. I'm wondering what you have learned in your three years of loving and cherishing each other. <laughs> and I also think in sickness and in health, most of the times we think physical health. But a lot of us come into marriages with soul issues that are unhealthy. It's not just physical, but it's soul as well. So what can you say that you have learned? I will speak to the physical health side. You can speak to the soul health side because I've struggled with the soul health in our marriage. But the man flu is real. That's, that's not what I expected. I was trying before we got married to give it the benefit of the doubt. But the first time this guy was sick, I'm like, I'm going to get a hotel and I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> I was convalescent. Um, it was, uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so I'm speaking towards the soul health. You can talk about it all. Yeah. Oh. Um, I think that that, it, it loops back to the first one of expectations, like you expect everything to be great. Uh, but the one thing I've found is that healthy relationships in any sense will bring up the crud of the past relationships and what they have messed up. And, and distorted. And um, so if there is conflict and things coming up and things to work through, that means that you're a safe person in a safe relationship and you can work through it. Um, and that's been the biggest thing of also the expectation of things will be perfect and always great, but also there is healing in, in healthy relationships of the past relationships. And uh, Jess has had stuff, I've had stuff, and, and I'm more of an internal processor, quiet guy. And so I took a lot of Jess's stuff, but for those of us guys that are out there, there's still internal stuff with us, and we gotta be able to vocalize it. Even if we've never vocalized anything in, in our life, really, because we've been peacekeepers. Like, I come from a family of, of eight. I'm child number five, and I'm, uh, there's 20 years difference between my oldest brother and my youngest brother, and there's all this conflict, so I was a lot of times the, the mediator of the family, but I still have to say my piece because it'll just grow if you don't say it, right? Even if you're quiet about it the whole time. So that is the piece of, of men talk, you know? If something bothers you, if it makes you sad, you've you got to practice saying it, you know? And it's, it, it'll help your wife who can't work on anything if she doesn't know what's there. If your day is fine 365 days of the year, then she's not going to know what to talk about, so. Yeah, I'm going to try to bring some clarity to the soul, the soul health. Um, I just had a really stressful job when we got married, and I would go to work, be under a lot of pressure, be criticized a lot, and then I would come home, and what would I do? 
I would throw that pressure back on Joe, who's been, he works from home. So I would get home, throw my bag on the counter, see all the dishes everywhere and be like, what did you even do today? I was the one out working, blah, 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 blah. And just critique and critique and critique and critique and just take everything that I'd been through and transfer it onto him. And that was a big sign of my soul isn't okay. I'm, I'm sick in, in my heart and it's, it's bleeding out all over everybody else. Because he was my safe place, I was allowed to bleed, but he recognized the unhealth and in his patience and in his kindness and in his love for me, truly, he would wait with me and sit with me and ask the hard questions of where is this coming from? Also, I don't deserve that. You know, he was really, he was like Jesus in his correction of me in a gentle way, but also in leading me and guiding me and supporting me in my healing. So I, I honor you for that. That's really good. Yes, that deserves a hand clap. And, and I, love, I love that. I love, Joe, how you're talking about even if you don't really feel like you can communicate, you need to figure out a way. When Lance and I first got married, um, I came from a lot of brokenness. I had a mom and stepdad who loved Jesus very much and were pursuing Jesus with our, with our family. And then I had a father who loved me as well. He was not pursuing God. There's just a lot of tension between my parents. And um, I didn't really feel like I had somebody I could talk to most of the time. And so I would stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. And eventually it would come out and it wasn't very pretty. But one of the things I loved about my husband when we first got married was that he would sit with me and he would be patient. And there were times that I would just be sobbing, like I wanted to tell him what was going on inside me, but I didn't know how. And so a lot of um, our relationships together are just looking at what your, what your partner needs and um, spending that time with them, even if it takes an hour for me just to say two words of what I was feeling, he was so patient and he was so kind and I was able to grow through that. And I would even say, if you can't figure it out with yourself, find a mentor. That's something that we really push. And I told Anza a few years back, I said, I don't think you should ever marry anybody again unless they have a mentor before they get married. Because we all have stuff that we need. We all have things that come up and we have no idea how to handle them. But I love that gentleness and kindness that you displayed um, and that, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. So Don and Bev, um, one of the verses that I just read says um, love. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Can you give us some advice on the best way to handle conflict when we've been wronged by our spouse, and what have you seen really damage relationships? Well, I think for me, in our relationship, I would say forgiveness. Forgiveness is the first of all, the the key to success in a long-term relationship. And you know, so often we look at our marriage like a disposable thing. You know, it's like, hey, this is not working out for me. It's not meeting my needs. It's not really what I thought. And I love to shop. 
you know, and I have no qualms of returning something if it doesn't, if it doesn't meet my expectations or I figured I don't like it or whatever. I have no qualms in that. But so often we think of marriage kind of like a coat that we're going to return to Macy's or something like, hmm, I don't really like how it's feeling. And so, um, and we just sort of ju just set it aside. And, you know, you, we need to work at marriage. We need to forgive and we need to communicate and kind of piggybacking off what um, MT said is there were times in our relationship when it communicate, communicate. It was like, okay, and, and because I found it hard to really open up, my family wasn't a real, um, we were very affectionate and could display affection that way, but we really didn't talk about our feelings much. And, but I was always kind of more leaning in that direction. But when we got married, Don was like this open book. And, I, and he had to draw it out of me. And he would even say, hun, and I so respect this because this was like a key that turned something inside my heart. He'd say, even if it hurts my feelings, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you need. And so I am so thankful that we, we really came into our relationship two totally different people, as we all do. But I am so thankful that he was patient with me and he sat with me until I could open up. And so I just encourage anybody out there, I mean, communicate, communicate. Even when it's hard, communicate. In the uh, counseling room, we talk a lot about conversational intimacy. And conversational intimacy isn't just talking about sex, although that's legal too. Uh, but uh, it's talking about life. It's, we're doing life together. And, and I've been struck with this uh, lately a lot uh, that, you know, when you, uh, MT read the, uh, the love chapter and, and love, is, love is patient and love is kind. And, and really, if we hang out with Jesus and, and we, we just zero in that more than this relationship, if I get this one together like it's supposed to be and I'm sold out to him, he can, he can uh, take care of some things inside of me. Uh, you know, that thing that Beverly said about, you know, uh, you know, even if it hurts my feelings, well, I changed my mind. You know, after, after she told me a couple of things, I said, man, I don't want to hear that. Uh, but, but the reality is I needed a lot of help uh, when we got married because I was just rough and tumble. I was, I was pretty rough lumber that she got a hold of, and, and she's five years younger than I am, and uh, yet she was, she was tough. And, uh, and, and that was a little hard for me to, to uh, take. Uh, now I tell her, you know, I don't need quite so much help. Uh, <clears throat> but, it, but it's that pattern. But I, here, here's what I believe is so important is never say anything to your spouse that Jesus would not say to your spouse. Because when you say hurtful things, and the power of life and death is in the tongue, and when you say hurtful things to your partner, that stuff goes in. And, and it's not, it, it's always there somewhere. It might be subconscious, it might be non-conscious, but something will trigger that and it'll, it'll come back to the surface and all the memories, all the feelings with that thing are there. And so uh, just really 
practice kindness. Uh, that little blip, uh, the, the little uh, interview that we had with Taylor, you know, I, my great wisdom was be nice. And, and it really is, if you, if you practice kindness in your marriage and you don't say anything to your partner uh, that, that Jesus wouldn't say to them, then, then we're going to be good. And, and our love life is going to be good and, and our communication is going to be good because we're practicing Jesus conversation and you say well is that possible yeah yeah by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us we abide in the vine and we produce the fruits of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness meekness gentleness faithfulness and self-control against such there is no law that's so good I think for Lance and I so many times we just get busy in life and if we can keep the first thing first, which is our relationship yeah. with Jesus, so much will be different. I don't know about you, but there are days that I have that are just a wreck. And a lot of times I can go back and look at, oh, I skipped my time with Jesus in the morning. But if you're immersed in his love and if you're leaning in to hear his heart, you can't help but hear his love for your spouse. And I love that just don't say anything, <laughs> write that on my forehead, don't say anything to your husband that, or your wife that Jesus wouldn't say to them yeah. because of his love. But if we can keep that first thing first and, and the forgiveness thing, you know, sometimes it's not just a one and done. I think so many times, especially in our culture, we want just like a one and done thing. But I know that there are things in my heart, especially when you add in stuff from your past, like forgiveness is a process sometimes. But the power of life and death is in our words. And if you can take those words and thoughts of your spouse that are negative and flip them, it's amazing what happens. We've seen it in our lives um, with Lance and I, and we've seen it in the lives of our children, taking what the enemy would want you to replay in your mind and being like, oh my gosh, he's so lazy. But no, like flipping that and switching it to what God sees him as or what God sees your wife as. And actually not even just thinking it, I think there's so much power in the spoken word. So declaring over your husband, my husband is lovely, he is smart, he is yeah. kind, he loves to do the dishes, he loves to take out the garbage <laughs> or anything. There really is uh, power in, the, in, in your words. Okay, we will have, let's see, let's see what question we should go to. Okay, I'm going to read, we want to stay true to the scripture. I'm going to read another scripture to you, Ephesians 5. I know you've heard this before. Instructions for Christian households. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives you should submit to your husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water of the through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holiness and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So two things from that. Um, there is an author, um, Les and Leslie Parrott, Christian marriage counselors and authors of Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, talk about the consummate love resulting in the combination of three components, passion, intimacy, and commitment. Maintaining consummate love is where many marriages falter. Don and Bev, I want you to answer this question. How do you maintain consummate love, passion, intimacy, and commitment? Well, I think first it goes back to our relationship with the Lord. We have to be tight with Jesus. And then the next thing is I think serving each other in love. And see, when Dawn serves me in love, does the little things like, like I, I love to shop, but I don't like to go to grocery stores. So he likes to go to grocery stores. Thank you, Jesus. And so he, you know, so often, like, or he'll go fill the car up with gas or whatever. That's those, it's the little things in every day. It's serving each other in love. And then the guy needs our respect. We need, we all need each other's respect. But in a, I think in a man, to to be respected, to know that, um, like if he knows I respect him for who he is, I respect him for going to work every day, I respect him for how he treats me, how he treats our children, how he treats the grandchildren, how he loves Jesus. I respect that in him, and I tell him that. Then, on all levels, that that helps us. We feel intimate emotionally. It helps us in in our sexual uh, area because we feel close to one another. It helps us. All these three form together to make a very beautiful picture, the way God intended it to be. Amen. I think the uh, the foundation of of that would be the uh, commitment uh, and the commitment when, when we enter into a covenant and it's a life covenant it's a blood covenant and so when we ask somebody to, to uh, make vows to one another that's before God and all the people that, that uh, know them or like them or, or showed up for the cake and, and so we're making those, those uh, promises and I think that we should take divorce uh, out of our vocabulary uh, and that's what commitment does. And, and you know, there's extraneous circumstance, and, and we're not going to get into that. But uh, out of that covenant, that commitment, comes the passion and the intimacy. And, and uh, that takes uh, work, effort. I'm committed to uh, loving my wife as Christ loved the church. And, and uh, so I'm going to do those little things and, and I haven't uh, seen where it's been a real uh, difficult challenge for Beverly although <clears throat> she might tell you different uh, but but I just I just love my wife and and uh, that's not that complicated and then out of that you know we do a date night and we we uh, love each other but the end of my day, when I go home from the office, I'm looking forward to seeing my wife. I just want to hang out with her because she's my, she's my best friend. We had a prophetic word over us before we were ever married about serving God together. And, and little did we know how it was all going to 
pan out. But now we're looking, we have more life in the rearview mirror than we have ahead of us in the windshield. But I can tell you that I have no regrets uh, for the God that I serve and no regret for the woman that I married. Uh, she is a gift from God to me. You know, and I, I think it's the little things. It's the little things that you put in practice. And one of the little things in our relationship is if I'm home, when he gets home, I like to go to the door and greet him with a kiss and a hug. Like, it's, it's like, I see you. Thank you, I see you. And um, also, I like to, like, when we're praying for meals, we're empty nesters, so it's a little different than joining hands around the table. But as we pray, we hold each other. And that's how we always pray, like before our meals. And I love that because it's the little things that someday I will look back on and say, I loved well and I was loved well. I love that. That is so beautiful, the little things. There's so many little things day by day. That would even be a challenge for us this week, just to look for a little thing that you can do to bless and love your spouse. So we have one more question. Um, we, the Ephesians 5 talks about submitting, um, submitting to each other, why submitting to um, husbands. Um, a lot of times we can see this abused and mistreated, but how can you say in a godly way that you submit to each other? Yeah, I, th I think um, in my early years, I struggled with this first because I heard it taught twice. And I don't know if the pastor didn't know how to read, but he stopped halfway through because it was just, wives submit to your husbands. All right, thanks everyone. It was like, <laughs> but that's it. But God does not give authority to people without extreme charge and direction. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the verse of, but men, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Yeah. And um, one of the things that me and a group of guys do is we'll read the entire Bible in the month of January. It's, it's just a speed read, it's not to take anything. But the thing that sticks out is the church has betrayed Jesus a lot. Um, it is not a perfect synonymous relationship. Jesus loves the church and his unending grace is why Christianity exists and all this stuff, but the church messes up quite often. And that's for the same things, mostly. <laughs> um, and so that kind of love, the, the love that it's calling, if Christ loves the church like that, then husbands need to love their wives with reckless abandon yeah. and without any sort of, the scorecard cannot be there. Because Christ's scorecard with the church is, yeah. is very lopsided. Yeah. Um, and so the charge for husbands is love your wife with unending grace. Yes. And if that's the case, she will have no problem submitting to you. Yes. Submitting doesn't come first. The, the very, I'm, a, I'm a software engineer. The variable in the code here is, is, is the husband. And if they are, are uh, serving their wife and loving their wife with that much grace, the rest of it, the rest of it will just work out. I don't have to say as much because you've pretty much said it all, but I, I just want to speak to our culture and the younger generation. The, there, is, there is such an attack on marriage. There's such an attack on gender roles, responsibilities, differences, how we're genetically made, how God made man, how God made woman. And a lot of times this verse is the crux that people use to turn away from Christianity, to denounce faith because, well, I, as a woman, don't want to be a part of an oppressive system. And 
I personally cannot join the feminist movement in that way because I honor how God made man and I honor how God made woman. And if we looked to the scriptures and if we looked to God's design and if we walked in it fully following Christ in his example of husbands loving their wives and women, submitting, respecting our husbands, we would see the beauty. And, and, and so for those who are challenged by this verse and by the word submit, I would ask you, what needs healing? Because yeah. that fear usually is what drives that response and that push. And, and I understand this. I was raped when I was 17. I was in an abusive relationship my first year of college. I ended up in another very controlling, manipulative relationship for three years that kept me from my family and my dreams, really, and myself. And so I know what it's like to be hurt. And I have every excuse to not trust men, but God, I love Jesus. I love Jesus, I love his word, and more than anything, I want a life that he intended for me. I want to live in the ways that he suggested for me to live because his ways are better than mine. His ways are better than the world's. His ways are better than culture. His ways are not our ways. And so when we look at scriptures and words like this and get hung up on a word like submit, we're actually denying beauty and we're denying wholeness and we're denying the best. And so, I agree. I agree with what Joe said, and I agree what's been discussed. If, if I am fully loved, I have no, no problem yielding, you know? And so if there's an issue with that, I would ask you, where do you need to find some healing? But if you're not married yet, in that process of learning about this potential future relationship and marriage, even ask yourself, is this a man that I respect? Is this a man who loves me and allows me a position of surrender? Because, because Joe loves me like Christ, he, he's taken time to learn my strengths. He knows I'm an independent woman. He knows I'm strong. He knows I'm smart. He knows I'm educated. He knows I'm a hard worker. I'm a strong leader. And his love for me doesn't diminish that. And me submitting to him doesn't diminish that goodness and that strength in me. In fact, it honors me even more. So really our marriage is less about me submitting to what he says and more of a partnership because this verse is less about an authority and it's more of an equal opportunity because we're both surrendered to Christ and together we're walking our, our lives for him. So, so, so good. Well, will you give it up for these amazing couples? We could just learn to love as Christ loved. I want to challenge us. Read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter this week. Let's stand. If you're in the sanctuary online and you have a spouse beside you, would you just grab their hand? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. That is our example. And God, I pray over every relationship in this room and online. 
God, I pray that you would transcend, your love would transcend into our relationships. God, where there needs to be healing, where there needs to be correction, where there needs to be submission to you. Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would your love just overtake us? As we put your love first in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support this ministry by going to hopechurchmt.com slash give. Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Thanks again for watching and have a very blessed week.